if God is going to be involved in and at the center of your life, it's a good idea to understand the role of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit of God wants to come into our lives and he wants to accomplish some things in our lives. If you're a believer in and a follower of Jesus Christ, then it's a beneficial proposition to be conscious of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit is sent by the Father into the world to play a role in the world. Now, when you think of a role, the first thing you might think of is a role in some kind of a performance. Perhaps when you grew up, you had a part in the school play. How many had a, you ever have a part in the school play or some type of production? And you had to learn your lines. You had to play the part, right? You had to play that role. And that's one of the definitions that we understand um, uh, in that sense, uh, a role in acting or performing. There's another definition of the word role that we need to take a look at, and it's the one that's it's beneficial for our purpose. The word role also means a proper or customary function. A proper or customary function. When you use the word role in this definition, you might think of the role of a father or mother or perhaps a teacher. So a father and mother has a role to play in the family, a role to play in the lives of the kids that are being brought up in that family. A teacher has a role to play in the lives of those that they would seek to teach. And so this is a role. I think of another application of this definition of the word role, and I think of it in the usage in the world of sports. In sports, you have what they call role players. You know, you have your kind of your, your, your star players, and they're the ones that kind of usually dominate the headlines, dominate uh, the game, so to speak. But then you have what you might call role players. A role player is a player who comes into the game in a certain situation to help the team accomplish something specific that will help the team's chances of winning. In football, and it's been a while since anybody, any of us watched football. Is there still a thing out there called football? Yeah. Um, but anyways, you had uh, what they call like a third down running back, right? He wasn't the main running back. He was like the third down specialist. He could run, he could catch, he could run after the catch. And you usually brought him in on third down. And then you have like in baseball, you, you have like a pinch hitter, someone that's called off of the bench to, 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 to do something in that particular situation. Or like a relief pitcher. A relief pitcher, in that sense, is a role player. He's the one, the, the starter's getting a little tired. He's put a couple runners on base. You got to bring that relief pitcher in to shut the thing down and to win the game. The helper, the Holy Spirit, has come into the world to perform a specific role, to perform a specific function, and this is of the utmost importance to those of us who seek and desire to live a life of faith in Jesus. So we need to be very aware of the role, the function of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I always like to bring it to a question, and I think we come to a question there. 
Well, what is it? What is the role of the Holy Spirit? If God sent a helper alongside of you, what kind of help do you think that you would need? Now, if we listed a, we got out pen and paper and began to list the things that we need, we might come up with a certain list of things. Well, I need this and I need this and, you know, you know, a little extra money, a little extra cash to pay some bills. That would be nice. Or, you know, this over there. Maybe you need new tires. I don't know what you did. You would have a different, you would have your list of things that you would want. And, and, and obviously God is concerned with that particular list, but God has a list of things that you need. And really when we look at it, those are the things we really, really, really need in our lives. Um, we need the truth of God in our lives. We need the truth of God and we need Jesus. And one of the, the role that the Holy Spirit is going to play in our lives is he's going to come and he's going to bring us into truth. Uh, Jesus is going to tell us in our text this morning, he's going to guide us into truth. And then what he's going to do is he's going to glorify Jesus. And so what this is going to accomplish in our lives is it's going to bring us along the path that we're, that God is guiding us in. And it's going to bring us into being the type of people that are living, that are acting, that are thinking, that are loving, that are doing the things that he would have us to do in our lives. So we need the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we need him to do, to play that role that he is going to play. So if you're taking notes, I've got two points this morning. The first one is this, the role of the helper, the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will guide us into truth. Let's pick it up in John 16 at verse 12. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. He says this, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Let's stop right there. One important function that the Holy Spirit, the helper, will have in your life and in my life, and in the lives of all the people that are in the family of God, is that he will guide us into truth. What a great thing to think about. God, in the person of the Holy Spirit, is right there with you every moment of every day to guide you into truth. Did you know that you have a guide with you? Did you know that you have a guide? You're not, we're not, as Christians, we're not just aimlessly out here on some path trying to forage in the, in the dark and the night. No, we, we have a guide, it's the Holy Spirit, who's guiding us along this path, who's guiding us into truth. Now, Jesus tells the disciples that he had many more things to say to them but he understood the disciples could not bear it all right now, especially now because he's just told them that he's got to go away. He's going away. I'm going away and where, you, where I'm going, you cannot come. And they were just distraught over the whole thing. So much so that they didn't even ask, I mean, they weren't even asking any questions. You know, and he actually called, remember last week we talked about how he called them out. You don't even ask me, you know, these things. And, and so Jesus is well aware 
of the circumstances of our lives. He's well aware of, of what's going on, and, and he's going to bring his spirit along into our lives uh, and, and bring us into truth as we need it each and every day. There was much more to say. There was many more. Can you imagine you're sitting there with Jesus? I mean, he's about to go to the cross. He's about to go give his life on the cross. Wouldn't you have liked to say, Jesus, go ahead. Give us some more. We're ready. You know, they couldn't bear it, you know? And, and, and so much so, you know, there was so much that was going to be revealed after he completed what he did on the cross. You know, remember when he, uh, after the resurrection, there's this time when he's walking with this man. It's called, you know, the man on the road to Emmaus, right? So he's walking with this man and he begins to, he begins to share about himself and, 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 and reveal himself through the Old Testament scriptures. And this man is walking with Jesus and here Jesus is just, would you love to have the tape on that? Would you love to have that podcast, right? We just had a microphone, the road to Emmaus. Here's Jesus declaring from the Old Testament, yeah, here's who I am and here's what's take, taken place in these last few days. But anyways, this is what this is the type of stuff that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal. He's going to reveal it to the disciples. He's going to reveal it to the New Testament authors. And then he's going to begin to get, continue to reveal things to his followers. Amen? Amen. So um, they, they just were not in the condition to receive these things at the present moment. But the Holy Spirit would come and bring these things to them at the perfect time. So Jesus tells them, he says, however, you can't deal with it now. I don't, we can't get into it all now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. And this is really, I believe, one of the supreme functions of the Holy Spirit. He's a guide into all truth. And this is what we need, amen? You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. I came up with a slogan. I was going to put this YouTube channel together, and I said, you know, everybody's got a slogan. And, I, and so anyways, I've got this YouTube channel. It's just there. It's all set up, and it's just ready to go when I'm ready to do something with it. But anyways, I have a slogan, and the slogan is this. The truth is the solution. Amen? The truth is the solution because Jesus wants to bring us into truth. The Holy Spirit's job and role is to bring us and guide us into truth, and it's what we need. It's what the world needs. Now, we need to understand that there's a spirit of truth and there's a spirit of error. There's a spirit of truth and there's a spirit of error. It's a lying spirit in the world. In fact, John, who was here present in this uh, uh meeting with Jesus in the upper room in John 16. He's the one that's writing the gospel. Later in his epistle, he writes this in 1 John 4, 6. You'll see it on the screen. He says, we are of God. He who knows God hears us, and he who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, right? And so there's a spirit of truth and there's a spirit of error. Now, Satan is called by Jesus a liar and the father of lies. You look at the text, there's a couple of them, that John 8, when he's talking about the, the enemy, he's talking about Satan being the father of lies and those that are, that are with them. And you don't have to really even know that you're with the kingdom of darkness to be in the kingdom of darkness, to be under the sway of the wicked one, to be under a lying spirit, the spirit of error. 
You don't even have to know it, but you can be, that, that's where someone can be in their life. And, and, and God wants to come into the middle of that. He wants to bring his truth, right? So that's why he brings the Holy Spirit into the world. That's why he fills uh, believers with the Holy Spirit so that we can proclaim the word that is brought to us by the Holy Spirit. And so the word of God, the truth of God can be the solution in people's lives, amen? And so you have Satan, he's called the, the father of lies, He's a liar. He's been lying since the beginning. He's been deceiving people. He's going around seeking whom he may devour, seeking whom he may deceive. The Bible tells us he appears as an angel of light. And that's why we need a God. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us into, into truth because people can get, I mean, the whole problem, and I don't really want to step on toes this morning, but I will. Okay, the reason why we have a religion called Islam is because somebody didn't recognize that it was a lying spirit, that it was a spirit of error, that it was a demonic spirit. In fact, actually, if you read the history of Islam, Muhammad knew when he met with that spirit uh, that it wasn't right, and it was his wife that talked him into saying, no, 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 this is of God. And boom, 1,400 years later, we have Islam. And it's a lying spirit. It's a lying spirit. You know, Paul said in Galatians, if, there, if, there's, if me or any angel comes to you preaching a different gospel, another gospel, it's not of God. It's not the way. It's, not, it's a spirit of error. He says, let him be accursed. So Satan will appear as an angel of light, but he's a liar and he's an angel of darkness, really. In the band, uh, was a member of the band Kansas, Kerry Livgren, and uh, you know he he was this thinking guy, and he, you know, and I don't know the, really the whole story. Maybe some someone here knows, but you know he got saved. He began seeking, and then he found Christ, and uh, and and uh, a lot of the guys in Kansas at that time came to Christ, and so. Uh, Carrie wrote a whole Christian album. He had wrote, he was the guy that wrote, you know, Carrie on my wayward son. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, okay, just so we're just on the same page here. So this guy, so he gets saved and he writes a whole Christian album. And one of the songs on the album is a song called The Mask of the Great Deceiver. And he gets Ronnie James Dio to sing the song, The Mask of the Great. Look that up on, on Apple Music after the service, you know, just rocking out in the car. Um, and, 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 and what it's talking about is this idea that the enemy is a great deceiver and he wants to bring people into bondage in lies and deceit. And he's been doing, the Bible says he's been doing it from the very beginning from the very, very beginning, but we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that's going to guide us into the truth. Now, if the Holy Spirit's gonna guide us into the truth, it brings us to another question. What is the truth, right? What is the truth? This is the famous question that, that Pilate asks Jesus, and if he, you know, that's such an amazing scene. Here, Pilate is questioning Jesus. He, he's been taken into custody, and he's, he's, he's saying, what is truth and all this? It's like, Pilate, if you only knew, <laughs> if you only knew who it was that was standing next to you, the, the way, the truth, and the life, amen? And, and so Pilate asked, what is truth? Um, so the, the idea of truth in the New Testament, the New Testament Greek is, is the word aletheia, and it's actually, it carries the idea of what is ultimately real reality, real 
and reality. And so when Jesus says, I am the truth, I am what is ultimately real. To go in the way of deception, to be under the sway of deception, to be in a lying error, is to not be in reality. And so Jesus wants us to come into reality. And so, folks, listen, we are living in a time when the, the collision <laughs> of truth and error is becoming so incredible in a bad way. <laughs> not, not like that. Remember the show, That's Incredible, right? That's incredible. Wow, wow. And some of you are like, what? I don't remember that show. Yeah, that was a show. It's incredible. The collision of, of the deceit that's out there and, and truth and what is ultimately real. So we need to to really take a look at this, what is truth? Now, Jesus did say, you know, to the disciples earlier in John 14, we're in John 16 this morning, so just earlier, two chapters, Jesus answering Philip said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So he is what is ultimately real. Jesus is called the word in, in, the, in the beginning of this gospel, he, he opens up the gospel, he says, in the beginning was the word. What's that? The logos. In the beginning was the logos, the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. And so he is the logos, the incarnate word of God. So you have the word of God coming into the world. And, 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 and the writer of Hebrews puts it this way. In Hebrews chapter one, two, he says, God has spoken to us in these last days by the son. So he is spoken by the Logos. The Logos has come into the world. The Son has come into the world. And, and, and the Father has spoken to the world by way of the Son. So now we have the Holy Spirit that is going to come into the world and guide us into truth, into ultimate reality. So we have to understand the role of the Holy Spirit with the written word, right? So Part of this truth that the Holy Spirit is going to guide us into is the reality of, the, the, of God's word that in the way that he has spoken. And so you go back into the Old Testament scriptures, you go back into the Torah and the historical books and the, the you know, Hebrew wisdom literature of those books, the poetry of the Old Testament, the, the prophets, right? the minor and major prophets. But then you have the, the New Testament that at this time in John 16 had not been written. But the Holy Spirit is gonna come on these guys, many of these guys that are in this room listening to Jesus tell this, the Holy Spirit is gonna move upon them and they are going to begin to, illuminated by the Holy Spirit guiding them into truth, moving upon them, they are gonna writing some things down that are going to become the, what we know as the New Testament. And the New Testament is that new covenant, the new word, and it really is that which, which explains the Old Testament, right? 
Um, and so you have the New Testament that is now illuminating all the rest of the scripture. And Jesus began to do that on the road to Emmaus with that, that man that he was walking with. The Holy Spirit now is going to begin to move up on these disciples. And, and then, of course, Paul right? Paul is going to come in to the kingdom and the Holy Spirit is going to move upon him as, as he sits with, you know, as he receives revelation from the Father, not from flesh and blood, but from the Spirit of God and beginning to unfold the mystery, what Paul calls the mystery of salvation, the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of the kingdom, right? So these are some of the things that, you know, what's a mystery? A mystery you know, remember, uh, what was it, Scooby-Doo, right? Scooby-Doo, you know, the mystery machine, right? Well, at the end of the, you watch the whole Scooby-Doo episode, and who was it that was terrorizing the people at the theme park? Well, it was the old man who was running the store and whatever, and they pulled the thing off of him, and it was like, what, well, it's you, right? So that's the definition of a mystery. A, a mystery is something that was previously hidden that now is revealed. And so what Jesus is talking about, he's going to guide you into truth. Things and dots are going to be connected um, you know, the idea of revelation is literally the idea of lifting the, you know, the, the veil. It's, it's an unveiling. It's, a, it's, it's a, the word apocalypsis in the, in the, you know, we think of the apocalypse is like the end. The apocalypse is the revealing of the whole thing. Amen. And so that's what the Holy Spirit is going to do and, and, and was uh, what Jesus was talking about here. So we have to understand uh, the role of the, the Holy Spirit in the inspiration of Scripture. Peter, one of the disciples listening to Jesus talk at this particular time in John 16, later says in his epistle, 2 Peter 1, pick it up, verse 20, you'll see it on the screen. He says this, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so Peter, the Apostle Peter, is giving us a little window into the idea of how inspiration, the inspiration of Scripture, is actually happened. So the Holy Spirit moved upon men and they wrote. They used uh, their, the things that they had knowledge of. They uh, were aware of, of different uh, historical contexts and, and different things, but they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit moved upon them. The Spirit breathed. The wind of the Holy Spirit came to them and they were inspired. They wrote down the truth of God's word. The scriptures are what Paul said they are. They are God-breathed. Remember what he told Timothy? All scripture is God-breathed. What is he talking about there? The word for breath there in 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16 is, is the word for the word for spirit is the word for breath and spirit. And the breath and spirit are the same word uh, in New Testament Greek. It's the word pneuma. Okay, so it's, a, so it's actually where we get, you know, so this is where we get our word for like pneumonia and things like that that have to do with breathing, right? And so the spirit is the breath of God. It's the, literally the wind of God. It's the breath of God. And the spirit uh, is the one that moved upon men to bring about the word of God. And so we have this word of God. The word is, 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 is literally the breath of God, amen? What you have in your hands, many of you have a Bible or you're looking at it on an app right now. 
you have the work of the Holy Spirit in your hand. And people think sometimes like, oh, we, we need a work of the Holy Spirit. We need, you know, we need this mighty service. And we do need powerful services, amen? We need mighty services. We need the Spirit moving in those ways. But what you have in your hand, folks, is the work of the Holy Spirit because it's, the, it's literally the breath of God. And the Spirit of God wants to guide us into all, all truth. So you have, you have the breath of God in your hands, that's the work of the Spirit to guide you and me into all truth. And Jesus, actually, in the very next chapter, we're not going to get there today because we're only looking at like three, four verses this morning, amen? But in John 17, Jesus said this in a prayer. In that prayer, he went into the Garden of Gethsemane to be alone right before he was arrested. And in that prayer, he prayed for you. Did you know Jesus prayed for you on the night that he was arrested? That always just blows me away. In fact, when I was in Jerusalem, one of the spots that was most impactful to me was a place in the Garden of Gethsemane called, they've called it the Rock of Agony. It's literally that place where Jesus prayed the prayer of John 17. And it's there that he said, if there's any other way, Dad, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And he submitted in his humanity, he submits to the will of the Father to go to the cross, to take the cup of the wrath of God upon himself. But in that prayer, he prayed this prayer. John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. Sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. So the word of God is truth, and this is what the Spirit comes to guide us into, and this is what would literally, according to Jesus' prayer, sanctify us. Sanctify us. Now what does it mean to be sanctified by the word of God? The idea of sanctification is an idea of setting apart. You see, there's, there's, three, there's three stages of the Christian life. There's justification. There's that moment that you're justified in him. That you, it's like the idea of justification is this, just as if I'd never sinned. That's what Jesus does in our lives when we come to him. He forgives us. If, he, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's called justification. He justifies you. He makes it as if you had never sinned. You are clean without sin. But then he go, takes you into a process called sanctification. And this is really where the work of the Holy Spirit in sanctification, where he wants to set you apart for his kingdom. The idea of holiness all the way throughout the scripture is the idea of being set apart for him. He's holy. The angels are around the throne right now. And what are they saying? Let's go right now into the heavens. Let's just beam me up, Scotty. And here we are in the throne room of heaven. And here are the cherubim and the four living creatures. And here are the thrones. And what is it that we're hearing? What is it that John is hearing in Revelation chapter four? Holy, holy, holy right? Is the Lord God Almighty. 
And that's what he wants for us. So he wants us holy. He wants us set apart unto him, set apart unto his kingdom. And that's going to happen by the way of the word. It's the word that sets us apart. It's the word that sanctifies us. And there's much more that I could say on that particular topic. But we've got to, we've got to move on. Amen? So... We've got the Holy Spirit, and we've got the Word, the, the work of the Holy Spirit. But it's not just the Word that we have that was penned down, and we can be confident in the New Testament, by the way. You can be confident in the New Testament. When you get into textual criticism, we can be confident that literally as far as ancient books, there's no other ancient book that is accurate in terms of knowing what it says. So... Even atheist scholars have to admit we know what the New Testament says. It doesn't mean they have to believe what it says. But what it says is actually what it said and what it says. Okay? So the, you see the difference there. So we can be confident in that fact and also in the fact that, that it is just a verification of everything that, G, that God laid down in the Old Testament. Amen? So, but not only is the word, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit, there's the work of the Holy Spirit in interpretation. There's the work of the Holy Spirit in inspiration. There's the work of the Holy Spirit in interpretation. In fact, Peter alluded to it already. No interpretation is of the prophet himself, but the work of inspiration, the work of interpretation is according to the Spirit. That's why those, Paul makes this argument in Romans, the carnal man cannot understand the things of God right? Because the carnal mind, the carnal man is in darkness and does not have the illumination of the light of God. And so when the carnal mind, the carnal man comes to the word of God, there's confusion. And there's like, what is this? And, 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 and trying to, to, to poke holes in it and trying to do this. But when a person comes in the right spirit, the, the Holy Spirit, the spirit that gave the word, illuminates our hearts with the word and the truth of the word, and so then we come to the truth of God's word, right? When you try to, Chuck Missler actually did a, he did this whole thing in one of his teachings on a hologram and uh, how a hologram is produced is like with a light with mirrors and, and, a, and it's a photography, right? And you have this image uh, that's on this piece of film and the, the, the image is scattered. It's actually like, I, I, I really can't explain it. You know, it's you know, a little bit above my pay grade. But anyways, you've seen a hologram and the idea is all the information is, is spread across that particular photograph. But if you illuminate the photograph with a light, you get a distortion of the image. And what is the scripture about? The scripture is about Jesus, right? The scripture is about him. And so when you have a darkness that's trying to look into the things of God and into the scripture, you get a distortion of the image of Christ. And that's one of the reasons why you have people going off into error. So we need to understand the spirit to understand the things revealed by the spirit in the word of God. 
So let's go on to the last point because we've got to move along. So the Holy Spirit will guide us into truth. The Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus. Let's go back to the text, pick it up, verse 14. Jesus says, he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said, he will take of mine and will declare it to you. Jesus tells the disciples that the Holy Spirit, so what, what are the roles of the Holy Spirit? He's gonna come in and he's going to guide believers into truth. The other thing he's gonna do is he's going to glorify Jesus. So the, he's gonna guide us into truth and he's gonna glorify Jesus because these are the two things that we need to have happen in our lives on a day-to-day basis. We need, the, we need the spirit to guide us into truth and we need Jesus glorified in our lives because when Jesus is magnified, when Jesus is glorified in our lives, trust me, trust me folks, this will save us from a lot of trouble, from a lot of heartache, from a lot of going down and getting off on the off-ramp when we should have been on cruise control, Right? In the, in the straight and narrow. Amen? This is what we need. The world has an amazing way of magnifying things and of glorifying things that, shouldn't, that don't need to be glorified. Now, some things are, it's okay. I'll tell briefly of the story that Mary Jo and I were given the opportunity, we were given tickets to the Super Bowl. Right? You've heard me tell this story before. I had a friend of mine who played in the NFL. We were given tickets to the Super Bowl. And of course, you know, so I told Mary Jo, I said, we're going to the Super Bowl. Amen. So we drove over to the Super Bowl in Tampa, and it was the Steelers versus the Arizona Cardinals. It was Roethlisberger and Kurt Warner, right? Kurt Warner was still playing. And let me just tell you about the Super Bowl. They don't call it the show for nothing. They do not call it the show for nothing. We get there. The parking lot is, is this unbelievable mass of people. They had Journey out there uh, performing. And then we get in, and it's just this unbelievable thing. They've got um, Sully from the, 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 the flight on the Hudson. Remember the guy that landed the plane on the Hudson? He was there, and you had Jennifer Hudson, and you had Faith Hill, and you had... And then um, halftime show was... Bruce Springsteen, right? So you had the boss and the whole thing. And it's, it's, it's this glorified thing. The Holy Spirit wants to come in and glorify Jesus in your life because that's what you need. That's what you need. In the end, the Super Bowl is a game. Right now and on into the future, your life is important. Amen. And it's valuable. And Jesus came and died on the cross for you to bring you into the kingdom and to bring you into glory so that you could be presented before him without spot or wrinkle. So, I mean, I've said that I've said it this way. When 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 you woke up this morning, you you always ask yourself, okay, what's God up to? You know, like I need to do my things. You know, Mary Jo's got to get up and take the dog for a walk and and, 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 and all this, and there's all these things that need, to be, that, that need to happen, right? What was God up to when you popped your eyes open this morning? Let me tell you. Let me tell you what God was up to. He's got two great works in the world. Jesus said, 
when, G- when Peter confessed him as the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God, he says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And upon this rock, I will build my church. What? Upon this rock of revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So when God, when you woke up this morning, God is building a church, one church across the face of the earth, one body, one Lord, one baptism, one faith, one allegiance to the Christ, the son of the living God. And the other one, Paul references it in Philippians chapter one. He who began a good work in you, in you, he will complete and bring it to completion up until that day of Christ Jesus, right? So he's got two great works. He's building a church and he's building you. And he's doing that through a work of the Holy Spirit, amen? And he does that by guiding us into truth and glorifying Jesus in our lives, by bringing attention to Jesus, by putting the spotlight upon Jesus, by bringing to remembrance the words of Jesus to our lives, bringing to our remembrance the commandments of Jesus. Folks, listen, if there were ever a time, and I'm not gonna sit up here and just think for a minute that like, people didn't have crazy times in, 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 in centuries gone by and say, if there was ever a time, <laughs> right? But if there ever was a time that we need Jesus and we need the focus put upon the person of Jesus, the commands of Jesus, the words of Jesus, it's now more than ever because the deceiver is alive and well and he's deceiving and he's bringing division And I, and, I, and I see it. I just sat with a friend this week in San Diego and he t- talked to us about just some things going on in his family. And some of the things you just toss your hands up and you say, well, I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. But we do understand when we realize what's happening in the world that, they're, that the, the, the enemy wants to bring division, Right? So we need the, we need the light sh- shown on Jesus in our lives, right? We need Jesus to be glorified. We need Jesus exalted in our lives. And, and when Jesus is exalted, it brings us to, back to that knowledge, right? So you can be a guy out here and you're going, oh, well, I'm going I'm to go over here and do this. And it's like, wait a second, the Holy Spirit wants to come into the middle of that, shine the light of Jesus on his person, on his commands. And you go, wait a second, oh, okay. Maybe this isn't the way to go. Maybe I need to be over here. Maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to think about this way. And so we need to really look at this. To come to understand who Jesus is is the greatest knowledge this side of heaven. That he's the Christ, the son of the living God. And he's the savior. And he's bringing all things under his dominion. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In the face of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm shutting my notes. Because Pastor Dan said something earlier in the prayer 
And I want to tie this in and close it off with this. There is confusion. There's disorder. Pastor Dan said it. He is not, God is not the author of confusion. He's not the author of disorder. In fact, when you come to the creation, when you come to Genesis 1, 2, there's, there's disorder on the face of the deep, right? Now, the earth had become tohu vabohu, formless and void, right? But what's the rest of the verse say? And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, right? The Spirit of God has been coming into this world from the very beginning to bring order out of chaos to bring people up and to bring people under the lordship of Jesus Christ to bring people up in the order of God and what we're seeing is we're seeing a world getting out of control in 42,000 different directions because it's a desire to run away from the order of God whether it's the family order whether it's the order in marriage whether it's the order in society whether it's the order in the church that needs to take place whether it's the order in your own life and the confusion that might want to come into your own heart and life because of those on ramps and those blinking lights to the right and the left whatever it is whatever it is God wants to come by his spirit and he wants to hover over you did you know that you were I don't know what the science is it's like we're 75% water or something right we're mostly water right let the Spirit of God hover over the face of the deep, over your deepness, amen? Let the Spirit of God hover over you. Let the Spirit of God guide you into truth and glorify Jesus in your life. And let's see what God's gonna do in your heart and life. Let's see what he's gonna do. In six days, he brought that disorder. He brought the land up. He brought the skies, put those lights in the heavens that would govern and rule the day and night. And he brought vegetation and life and mankind into the earth to rule and reign on the face of the earth as his image. And that's what we're called to. And it's all going to happen because the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? So let him do his job. Amen? (laughs) Let him do his job. And things will get better.